Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast. A show about comic book movies approached from every angle and a community of nerds discussing how fiction relates to non-fiction. I'm your comic book culture host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro. I'm Skylar Houtsma. And the scientific scholar. Ben Anderson. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey, exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently. So we gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, science, or mission reports, December 16, 1991. <laughs> SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. Tony, if someone dies on your watch, you don't give up. Who said we're giving up? We are for not taking responsibility for our actions. This document just shifts the blame. I'm sorry, Steve, that... That is dangerously arrogant. This is the United Nations we're talking about. It's not the World Security Council. It's not S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not Hydra. No, but it's run by people with agendas, and agendas change. That's good. That's why I'm here. When I realized what my weapons were capable of in the wrong hands, I shut it down and stopped manufacturing. Tony, you chose to do that. If we sign this, we surrender our right to choose. What if this panel sends us somewhere we don't think we should go? What if there's somewhere we need to go, and they don't let us? We may not be perfect, safest hands are still our own if we don't do this now it's gonna be done to us later captain america civil war and yes there will be spoilers Ooh, man that's perfect (laughs) i love all the memes of just like when your bae wants to cuddle but you want mission report december 16 1991 it's just a picture of eric brule (laughs) memes are great okay i would like to start first opinions I would rank things relating to Captain America Civil War in the following way. Uh, Number one, Captain America Civil War memes are better than Ken Burns' Civil War documentary, which is better than Captain America Civil War, the comic book, which is better than Captain America Civil War, the movie, which is better than Age of Ultron, which is better than Ant-Man. Oh, wow. All right. We're learning some things today. Popcorn, Michael. <laughs> I liked uh, Civil War. I mean, it's another Avengers movie. It's not really a Captain America movie because I mean, pfft, it may focus on Captain America. It's an event. It should be should have been called Avengers Captain America, kind of like X Men Origins Wolverine. But that would be the dumbest title. Yeah, well, you know what's also pretty dumb? Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. It's kind of a stupid title when you think about it. Yeah. Oh, we've had our first reference to that other versus superhero movie. Yeah. Also, you have to do a shot, Michael. (laughs) I think. Yorp. I still haven't passed this kidney stone, so that's not appropriate. Uh, And what was I talking about? Fuck. God damn it, guys. All right. (laughs) Stupid title. That's my train of thought. Uh, Stupid title. It's a stupid title. But, you know, Ultron didn't really have an age either. He was sort of around for about two hours. 20, 12 hours, I don't know. But Civil War. Civil War. This is an entourage, collage movie, right? Bunch of characters. Ensemble. That means, uh, thank you. I know, I can't fucking think of words when it's uh, super hot in here. Uh, and I probably got the can't have the fan running because that's going to ruin my audio. Okay. I did not like this movie coming out of the theater. I thought this was similar set up to Avengers 2 almost nothing but action and just little snippets of the world to come all you're doing is highlighting the future of the movies without ever getting to those futures and i got to say there are the 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 two i want to make mention of just two pieces uh, that were highlighted, like Black Panther, of course, is to just like to build up amp for the Black Panther movie, and Spider Man. Spider Man was almost completely shoehorned into this movie, and normally, that's gonna look like garbage. But 
He ended up becoming like the greatest part of this movie, possibly. The exception of Ant-Man. Everything Paul Rudd says makes me giggle. I don't know. His delivery is just perfect. So there's something in the suit. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to take this to the shop. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of problems here. You don't need that. Oh, everything he said. I'm going to take issue with about 60% of... No, about 63% of the things you just said. Ant-Man was the one that was shoehorned in, and it sucked. And this is the best Spider-Man movie that's ever been made. Oh, I don't think this could beat out Spider-Man 2. Yeah, it does. <laughs> no, no, no. It goes right. I don't, even, I don't even think this beats out Amazing Spider-Man 1. And as an entirety, no. As... It goes right. <laughs> this is the best portrayal of Spider-Man in a movie. Ben's wrong. Ooh, oh, wow. All right. I, I'm going to say Ben's right with that one. I think Thanks, Tom Holland you. really really shined into this, and it's a really freaking tough role to do because you're only on screen for so long, and you don't really have a place. He didn't really kind of – he didn't really fit to be there at all. They recruited a 17-year-old when, when like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are out publicly kind of on the streets of Manhattan and they go and get the 17 year old in Queens. Come on. That makes sense. And from the perspective that first thing in the movie, Tony Stark, you know, gets blamed for the killing of a kid. So he takes a kid under his wing as like an amends, whatever it, or it's completely shoehorned. Yes. But there's some hmm. angle to it. He gets blamed for killing a kid. So then he brings a kid to fight other superheroes and almost kills them. Yeah, really. Has Tony learned nothing? <laughs> that is the theme of Iron Man. Tony learns nothing. Tony learns I'm, nothing. Because, I mean, right after Iron Man 3, when he gave up Iron Manning, he made Ultron. <laughs> and that caused him to uh, actually have a consequence and break up with Pepper? Come on. All right, I've had enough. Popcorn Skyler. Okay. Um, Captain America Civil War is one of the best made, technically, MCU movies, it's far and away a better Avengers movie than Age of Ultron, and fuck it, the original. Uh, the this movie just does, this movie just does so much better in balancing out everyone's appearances by what they contribute to the story, what they don't. You know, this character is just going to be fun to appear here, whereas this one can actually contribute. That's fun. I like the continuation. From Winter Soldier, the whole Cap Bucky love relationship. I mean, relationship. Um, oh, those two got a bang. I mean, come on. I don't care how many times you shove Sharon Carter into Steve Rogers' face. It's Bucky he really wants. It, it, it really is. It's plain to see. And yet, at the same time, it's kind of one of the most let downy. Um, MCU movies in that it's the perfect opportunity for to kind of take this whole series to the next level and it's super complacent to be just kind of status quo at the end of the movie you know things happen but you still feel like nothing's happened that can that can't be come back from really I'm I'm going to compare this to Batman versus Superman with a really strange metaphor like I do Batman versus Superman was like some really good homebrew that someone fucked up. And then Captain America Civil War was like, hey, anyone want a Budweiser? <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. I, I respect the shit out of that. That Sim is a fantastic analogy. Yes. Thank absolutely. you. Um, yeah, it's just content to be the same. Um, that it's almost kind of annoying. It has easily the worst opening action sequence that sped up to the point of being yakety sacks and okay there's one rule I have with characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe don't annoy me Spider-Man annoyed the shit out of me <gasps> This they are trying so goddamn hard with the humor that it becomes grating instead of natural organic finding your way in the comedic moments. And uh, this movie is a misstep in uh, introducing that character, especially when he is so shoehorned in for no reason. Finn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with that. But 
everybody's allowed to think what they will. Uh, but I will fully agree with the only character to die in this movie was T'Chaka. That's it. No, it was... Oh, oh I'm glad you uh, brought that up. The other character to die was Crossbones, which was the one villain they could have you know, carried into further movies, but Marvel is fucking petrified of <laughs> having a good, sustainable villain. Whereas they keep all the heroes alive because everyone wants to see more Rhodey. <laughs> fucking A. Yeah, they should have killed at least one black sidekick. I mean, come on. Why has it got to be black, though? Why couldn't they just kill Ant-Man? <laughs> I love how we all have our hatred. All right, fine. Okay, all right. <laughs> before we before we get into money, who's the number one character you wish would have died in this film? Go. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yep. He contributes nothing at this point. Yeah, and you, Ben? Uh, either Ant Man or Captain America. Tony. That was it. All of them. Just all of them. Tony is my number one because I don't care if Iron Man is your flagship. That dude is bouncing back and forth on his values too much. And I just would rather see Rhodey in the suit. And it, like just that bold move of saying, yeah, there's an Iron Man 4 coming, but it's not starring Robert Downey Jr. It's starring Don Cheadle. And you're like, yeah, you're like, RDJ is like not even in this because he's fucking dead. One of the leaders from either side should have bit it, and that would have been a huge risk. And instead, we get a very riskless movie, and that's not a very rewarding movie. Yeah, true. I mean, it's fun, but fuck, this isn't this isn't deserve the fucking Rotten Tomatoes ninety percent it has. Holy shit! It's not that good. Yeah. It's not that good. It's good. I look forward to watching it again, but I'm. Equally as annoyed by it. Tom's here. Tom's has joined the call. Can you hear me? Yes. What's up? It's Twitter Tom. He just pops in whenever the fuck he wants. Well, he's here right in time to give his first opinion on Captain America Civil War. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, I just want to say hi. See you guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I love this movie. I thought it was awesome. Um... I thought Captain America Winter Soldier was my favorite MCU movie up until this one came out. And I thought this was a better Avengers movie than Avengers Age of Ultron was. Um, so I, the only thing I could complain about it would be is the villain at the end kind of had to have a lot of things go right for his scheme to play out. Um, but that's really looking deep into it if you want to nitpick it. But other than that, I absolutely love this movie. I won't spoil what we've all said about it. You can listen back to uh, hear our thoughts on it. But um, it was really nice to have, you know, the probably the most positive thing to say about this movie. Um, but I actually really enjoyed the villain for this movie just because of the simple fact that he's not a supervillain, he's just a really smart guy with skills and a believable cause, and that's better than all these things they've tried to do with, like, just the villain being a dark reflection of the <laughs> heroes, what a what a, but yeah, whatever. And they actually kept him alive. What the hell? Um, Tom, who is the number one character you wish would have died in Civil War? I mean, I guess you could say Hawkeye, because he really doesn't do much. They, <laughs> yes. they, they, like, they wouldn't be hurt if they lost him. They would just be like, okay, someone, you know, we don't have anybody to shoot arrows at anybody. It's so weird. This, this Scarlet Witch who can pretty much destroy anything, and Vision who can destroy anything. Uh, it's Dude, so it's weird that we well. see that because Hawkeye like took on the entire Avengers in Avengers One, and was the heart and soul of the team that pretty much kept them together in Avengers Two. So like they have done everything necessary to make us believe that Hawkeye is a essential member of this team, and we continue to say, "Nah, fucking dude with arrows, come on." Right, let's move on to the money, please. <laughs> Spend it Most, a, it's a, this is a solid, large first opinion segment. It's worthy of it, as is 
speaking is, of... Is, okay, is this our most contentious movie yet? No, I would say um, Batman vs. Superman was much more contentious. Okay. I don't know. I'd say this, but that's being contentious, isn't it? Uh, oh. <laughs> um, you can groan all you want. Production budget, $250 million. Hot water cash, Marvel. Yes. Yeah, speaking of solid and big, that's about as big as movies get these days. Domestic gross ended up being $404.4 million as of this recording. Probably still a little bit of fuel left in it to get above that. Uh, foreign gross, $743.6 million. Worldwide total, $1,148 million. That's huge. Holy shit, mama. And it should be, because it's essentially a de facto Avengers movie. Uh, let me break it down for you. Right now, in this recording, it is the 12th highest grossing film ever worldwide. It'll probably stay there. It is the 19th highest grossing movie domestically, and will likely surpass both The Hunger Games and Iron Man 3 to become number 17. It is currently sitting behind the first Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Iron Man 3, as far as grosses in the MCU go, both worldwide and uh, domestic. And its $179 million opening weekend is just below the two Avengers movies, but on par with Iron Man 3. And as a final note, it is one of this summer's few films that actually performed at or above what was expected of it. Yeah. Sequels have not been having a good year this year, but Captain America broke the mold. This, as It was kind of expected to, too. Yeah, this, this, this is the... The movie that brought on superhero fatigue, uh, straight up. Yeah, X-Men kind of got railed by that same fatigue, as we'll talk about in a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I would have said X-Men was going to be the biggest movie of the year, but timing, as well as, of course, just not having the juggernaut marketing explosion that... <laughs> I get <capped>. juggernaut. <laughs> I didn't even try, but... That's all. That's all we're gonna do for money, because I mean, how much do you need to really freaking know, guys? It's a behemoth of a film, pretty plain and simple. And it was targeted to be a behemoth. It was expected to be a behemoth, and it was. It so. absolutely was. It's uh, the highest-grossing movie of 2016. Only movies that might beat it: Star Wars Rogue One. That's... Maybe the Harry Potter movie, Fantastic Beasts. Oh, but... I think that's asking for a lot, though. It is. Uh, but what, what about, uh, what's still to come out? You don't think Suicide Squad? <laughs> Suicide Squad is going to open so much better than we had or originally predicted, but not this good. <laughs> yeah. no, no Doctor Strange love? Mm. How uh, <laughs> oh, I stopped worrying and learned to love the box office. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at this, this not trying to do pun things. I'm not going to lie. Juggernaut and Strange Wolf were not intentional. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not as clever as I think. Right, so let's move on to the comic book section. Some comic book characters that were introduced as well as a lowdown on the comic book storyline that this movie is based on. Let's start off with T'Chaka. Starred in Fantastic Four number 53, 1966, Stan Lee and Jack the King Kirby. Father of T'Challa, ruler of Wakanda since the 1940s, T'Chaka teamed up with Captain America and Sergeant Fury a few times to fight off some Golden Age villains, including characters such as Master Man, Warrior Woman, and, yes, Armless Tiger Man, who is a dude with no arms and really sharp teeth. Man, I love old comics. You should team up with Dog Welder. <laughs> Arm fall off, boy. Uh, they would be the perfect duo because they would just trade an arm back and forth. <laughs> as, ru yeah. as ruler of Wakanda, it is customary to eat the special heart-shaped herb which grants the consumer the powers of the Black Panther. Strength, agility, stamina, the ability to track souls, you know, the usual. Assassinated by Ulysses Claw in front of T'Challa, Useless Claw we saw in Avengers 2 who got his hand chopped off by Ultron. T'Challa was actually the one who takes off his hand in comic book continuity, but whatever. 
uh, he was seceded. His his title of Black Panther was succeeded by his younger brother Siyan before either T'Challa or T'Challa's younger sister, half-sister, Shuri, would come of age and eventually rule Wakanda in his stead. That's all you really need to know about T'Chaka. He serves as another dead parent to motivate the son or daughter to become a superhero. A lot of dead parents in superhero movies this summer. Yeah, but you know what's great about T'Chaka is like he wasn't just a dead parent. Like he had a very successful run with like Captain America. He's got a very rich history before becoming just a dead parent, unlike Uncle Ben, who's just Uncle Ben. To Martha or Martha or, or Martha Wayne's Wayne. parents. Dick Grayson's parents. Tony Stark's parents. Yeah. Well Howard Stark's parents. Uh, Howard Stark, not really, but Maria, yes. Uh, the next character, Everett K. Ross. Martin Freeman's character uh, premiered in Kazar, Volume 4, Number 17, 1998, Christopher Priest and Kelly Martinez. A worker for the U.S. State Department, his job was to cater to foreign ambassadors coming to the U.S. He drew the lucky straw, straw of being assigned to T'Challa. Now, creator Christopher Priest had a very interesting purpose for his character, Ross. He was supposed to be the white man at a center of a Black Panther comic because he didn't believe that comics that didn't star white guys would succeed. And he means that in a, in a, in a very real way, not in like a racist way, uh, because Everett was supposed to be um, this narrative element to interpret all the stereotypes that white people have about black people and to challenge these thoughts in adventures with Black Panther. Uh, so, so Everett Ross was just meant to be like the relatable character because most readers of comic books are young white males. And he was going, if I want my book to succeed, there has to, he believed there, because they're just, they, black people just weren't buying comics. Um, and he was like, I'm going to put a white guy in there to translate everything I believe that we should talk about. And when it comes to race, so that his Black Panther run is kind of interesting in that light. In 2016, that seems really kind of condescending, but for 1998, I guess it makes a little more sense that we, you know, you have to have an entry point there because it's a it's a world that's kind of tippy tippy one way or the other. Yeah, it was, it was the late '90s. It was a different time. Yes. <laughs> um, so, Black Panther was having a long run of being overshadowed by other Marvel bigwigs, and Priest was out to shift that paradigm so that T'Challa was portrayed as the toughest of really almost all the Marvel characters. Um, if you want to see a real example of how, like, his interpretation of Black Panther is still kind of the one that we use today. Watch an episode of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers cartoon, where Black Panther meets the Avengers and proceeds to take them all out single-handedly in a very believable fashion. If you want to not see that interpretation, go play Lego Marvel, where you have to track down Black Panther's cat. (laughs) (laughs) I almost bought Lego Marvel. It's Uh, actually a really good game. Is it even worth it? I endorse it. There's a lot of fun stuff to do and a lot of characters. Go pick it up. Next character, Crossbones. I'm pretty confident we didn't talk about him in Winter Soldier, so we're talking about him now. Starred in Captain America number 359, 1989, Mark Grunewald and Kieran Dwyer. Brock Rumlow was the leader of the New York gang The Savage Crims in his early adulthood. He ran into some trouble after assaulting a 15-year-old girl and fled to join a school that trained criminals, led by the criminal taskmaster. He became an, an instructor within about three years of being there. Shortly after he began work as a mercenary, it managed to impress the top dog neo-Nazi, Red Skull. Since then, he usually works for the Skull, implementing his various nefarious plots, and, of course, running into Captain America quite frequently. 
While he manages to challenge Cap, their fights almost always end with Brock's ass on the floor. Shame he died in the Civil War movie. Would have loved to see a Crossbones Punisher face-off. Ass on the floor. And not like because they're at the nightclub shaking it. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Had, Crossbones had one of the best lines of the movie when he said, you dropped a building on my face. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because um, back when Captain America Winter Soldier came out, he was obviously in that movie, but that year also saw the release of The Purge Anarchy, which had uh, Frank Grillo in it, and I heard a lot of people saying, this guy should be the Punisher. <laughs> All right. See, I just wanted to see them fight because, like, how many cheeky lines about how the fact that they have the same gimmick but, like, different motives. <laughs> All right, next character, Helmut Zemo, Captain America number 168, 1973, Tony Isabella, Sal Buscema, son of the Baron Zemo that Cap fought during World War II, Heinrich Zemo. Helmut Zemo is the 13th member of his family to be labeled Baron Zemo. He entered the scene after hearing about the despise of his abusive father by the returned from being frozen in ice, Captain America. That's demise. Oh, thank you. His main tactic for plotting involves organizing villains into groups such as the Masters of Evil and the Thunderbolts to enact his nefarious attempts at world domination. He wears a purple hood because his face is disfigured from the time he, tell him he fell into a boiling vat of Adhesive X. Adhesive X, by the way, is the substance his father created that could not be dissolved or removed by any known process until nearly 10 years after its creation. That's a rather sticky situation to be caught in. Oh, God. yourself. Next character, Black Panther. Last character I'm going to talk about. Fantastic Four, number 52, one before his father. 1966, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, the first black superhero in mainstream American comics. This makes him a pivotal character in pretty much almost the history of cultural America. Name actually predates the founding of the Black Panther Party by about six months. Just a heads up. Oh, I, I was wondering what, which one came first. It, it was the Black Panther character. There was oh, a I time when the, Black when the Black Panther Party became famous and they, br they briefly changed his name to the Black Leopard to sort of subvert all that. They even mentioned it in the comics that I'm going to be called Black Leopard because the Black Panther Party is kind of a bit too radical for what I'm trying to do for my people. Um, but then you're just going to open up the uh, the can of worms that he'll eventually be called Black Leper, like someone with leprosy, and that's just wrong. I would read that comic. <laughs> I I feel that we're in 2016 now, and it should be the African American Panther, <laughs> not the Black Panther. He's not African American. <laughs> no, he's not. He's, he's strictly African. African. Wakanda American Panther. <laughs> he's not Wakandan American. He's not American. He's just he's just Wakandanese. Wakandan. It's just Wakandan. Wakandan. Yeah, you're from Wakanda. You're Wakandan. And I will say, as of 2016, the Associated Press style dictates that. When referring to black people, you refer to them as black. Ah, so, yes. Well, because, because if they're from the Caribbean islands, they're technically not from Africa, and we can't assume that. So that's just how it is, y'all. Oh, all right. Oh, there you go. I've never read the style manual, clearly, <laughs> if you've ever read my writing. Yeah, all right. So uh, T'Challa, he is the king of Wakanda the most technically advanced nation located somewhere in mid-South Africa, which just defies all stereotypes you could possibly put against it. Eating the same heart-shaped herb as his father and passing the trial rites, he became connected with the Panther God and donned the mantle of Black Panther. All actions and travels he does are to pres preserve and advance Wakanda. He is a superb athlete, one of the eight smartest men in the world, and attained memberships on both the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. You want to read about one of the coolest cats around? Look no further. Black Panther is your man. I love that they didn't get into like 
the herb backstory with this. He's just a fucking badass in this movie, and that's all you need to know. Yeah. That's all there is to it. And there is a pretty popular run of Captain America, I'm sorry, of Black Panther going on right now, written by Tanishi Coates. Uh, that is like selling out almost every issue. Um, so I would, I would, might even suggest picking that up, or of course picking up Christopher Priest's run, uh, or watching almost any interpretation of Black Panther in uh, Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, because he is freaking a badass in that show. Uh, I just Black Panther is one of the coolest dudes. Uh, he is a, a fantastic concept of a character, a full of rich history. Was the uh, Black Panther series any good? I think it was like on MTV or BET. I'm not sure which one. It was on BET, and it was a motion comic series. So it's literally just a comic book run by... Oh, I forget who. But uh, they just animated and voice acted over it It's very slightly. So it's kind of like puppet movements over the panels just to give it the sort of Ken Burns effect. Oh, sure. Kind of awful. And I know I praised Ken Burns earlier in the episode, but still. Motion comics are a taste for a particular few. I enjoy them because it's sort of just like a guided comic read, but people who are looking for actual animation are very upset because it is, in terms of like next to an actual cartoon, it is trash. <laughs> but if you're just like, it's sort of like a, a guided comic book, it's, it's fun. It's a cheap yeah. way to get the story out there in quote-unquote am- animation form. So, And finally, last topic of my segment, we have, Captain, we have the Civil War storyline by Mark Miller and Steve McNillan in 2006. This was a Marvel all-across-the-board event, involved every single comic book on their line. Giant crossover, they do those every two years. <laughs> um, and here is the backstory. The Superhero Registration Act is passed into law after 600 people are blown up in, uh, in an attempt to capture a supervillain called Nitro who just blows himself up. And these superheroes were on a reality show and everything got... They were on a superhero reality show. Um, and they failed to bring in Nitro who blew up in front of a school in, I believe, Stanford, Connecticut. And it killed more than 600 people causing people to go, we need to freaking put these superheroes under control because this is too much. So legislation gets passed called the Superhero Registration Act that requires every vigilante in America to become a public employee of the government. It splits heroes right down the middle with Captain America leading the anti-registration group who refused the authority of that legislation and Iron Man leading the pro-registration camp executive police force hunting down anyone who doesn't register. Lots of fights, lots of personal ethics struggles and dialogue. Spider-Man typically at the heart of all of that, originally pro-registration and then switching sides. The climactic conclusion has Captain America beating the snot out of Tony when civilians actually come and hold him back to stop him. Cap tells all of his troops to stand down and surrender themselves because of the shame of just how far this whole thing has gotten. Shortly after, while detained, Cap is assassinated by Crossbones and a brainwashed Sharon Carter. That's why there are a lot of rumors going around when this movie was coming out that Captain America's health in this movie was not going to be a particularly bright future. Um... But, of course, no one but T'Chaka died. And and all the civilians. Yes. In, and Crossbones. And Crossbones. We, I, I continue to forget about Crossbones. But that's all I have for comics. Moving forward, please, to music. Deadly. Music for Captain America Civil War has been written by composer Henry Jackman. He's returning from his work on uh, The Winter Soldier, as well as X-Men First Class and a bunch of other great scores. Uh, this one, well, maybe not the word I would use to describe it. Uh, music for Captain America Civil War is, in the Marvel tradition, adequate and not much more. Uh, <laughs> Certainly not marvelous. Ah, there we go. <laughs> not captastic. Uh, that was not a pun. 
See, this yeah. is what happens when I try. <laughs> Stop trying. Just just let it happen naturally. We'll do. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. All right. So the songs I have on the docket for today. There are three songs I have picked up. First two are notable. Uh, last one is good. Unfortunately, the last one is during the end credits of the movie, and I really wish they would have played something as exciting and memorable as that during the actual movie instead of setting up a different movie. Anyway, first track of the night is Boot Up. It's played during the scene when um, Zemo is interviewing Bucky and initiating his dastardly plan. Let's play it. the Russo brothers really try and make every movie a 1970s thriller that they can. <laughs> so that music kind of feel, feel kind of harkened to. While this was a big sort of action mashup, they tried to make the actual plot of the story very thriller-esque. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I think that's a fair assessment of this movie, and they're actually quite good at it when they focus on, you know, the Cap, Bucky, Falcon aspect of it. That's one of the more effective tracks of the movie that they build up tension with. Uh, next one, Civil War, the movie's name, uh, carries the Civil War theme. It's a da 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 simple little motif that crops up throughout the movie. And it's probably the most traditional thing you're going to hear in the film. Cue it up. It's all very dramatic, yes. That that beginning part, dum 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 dum, where it just sort of reminds me of when they they start running at each other in the airport. That's and, that's exactly the same scene, yeah. Okay, and uh, <laughs> they're not stopping, and they just like the the. It's fine when they walk, and it's fine when they're running and they collide, but the part in between where they sort of work their way up to a small jock. <laughs> It's quite comedic. (laughs) (laughs) They're not stopping. No shit. (laughs) But it's like just like a light Sunday afternoon run pace before into a fallout, full out actual like I'm gonna hit you sprint. But it's just like they're all sort of little leisure looking at each other, and it's like just pick it up a little bit. Don't just start running. Just little, little, little steps. My favorite is actually if you. slow down the quote-unquote splash page area where they all come together and converge and fight and whatnot, you'll see Ant-Man in the back who just has, like, the derpiest little run going on. Like, there are all these human gods doing whatever the thing, and Ant-Man's just like, hey, guys, wait for me. (laughs) Oh, I feel like, I want to say either the directors or Marvel, whoever had the more say in writing the score was just like, okay, Henry, so, you know, you know how people kind of crib Captain America into this whole being just really vanilla and not that interesting? Yeah, just write for that. Write for that. Write for, you know, a not terribly interesting score that just gets it done. And that's what we have, except for this last uh, piece I have on the docket. It's called Cap's Promise. Uh, it plays during the ending of the film and the end credits. And it is the essentially fanfare for the movie that I wish would have appeared more often. (laughs) 
How good was that end credit sequence, though? The shadows and shit? I mean, that's probably the best thing Marvel's ever done. I would say so. God, I love that part in the score where it's... Dum, ba, bum, 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 bum. That is so encapsulating of what this movie should have sounded like throughout. <laughs> and, uh, but may, um, well, maybe the, the credit section from Iron Man 3 beats it out. That's also oh. pretty great. I love that one a lot. But Why are credits is the best musical thing about <laughs> movies? Something is terribly wrong. Well, well, no, because during a credit sequence, all you have to focus on is the music. In the middle of the thing, you have like the action, the story, the dialogue, actual sound effects. So why mm. would you waste your time writing your best shit for that? Actually, that's a good point. Because it's the dramatic height of the movie, you should <laughs> deliver something that's equal to... You can't hear over all the sounds of Tony like, getting punched in the chest. <laughs> if you right? mix it right, I... Well, that's why like Mad Max is the best movie ever. It won the... Best sound editing Academy. Yeah, best, yes. best sound mixing or something. Anyway, I'm curious to see what... Um... Marvel has in store for its future scores, um, particularly if they take a higher role in the movies themselves. Michael Giacchino is doing uh, Doctor Strange, so that should be a good opportunity to kind of take them to the next level. But we shall see. Or here. Sylvester, he's coming back for Avengers, too. He is, yep. Um, and then obviously Tyler Bates is doing uh, Guardians 2, but no one cares about the score about of that movie so much as the soundtrack, so. <laughs> Different things. Yes. Science time, bitches. Let's do some uh, sciencey shit. Yeah. You take the lead, homie. All right, let's talk, about, let's talk about that scene where um, Captain America does some bicep curls with a helicopter. It's <laughs> exactly how that should be described. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is. He's, he's, he's doing this, the bicep curls. I do them at the Y. Uh, Apparently, Chris Evans requested to do that shirtless, but even the Russos were like, that makes no fucking sense. I thought he had in his contract no shirtless scenes. Really? And I mean, that makes sense because, you know, modest Captain America, but, huh. All right, well, you know, rumor mill, let's keep it turning. But hey, why? <laughs> okay, so how much, like, would that actually be? Like, how much can he actually curl? Can we figure that out based on that scene? The answer? The answer is, yeah. We can put a lower bound on how much he can curl. The so, process? Um, so basically, just like a military helicopter, like the Black Hawk helicopter, like your standard military helicopter, has a maximum takeoff weight of 20,000, no, 23,500 pounds. So that basically what that means is you can load stuff onto, the, onto a Black Hawk helicopter up to... 23,500 pounds, and it'll take off safely. More than that, it might take off, but it's not supposed to. Like, that's the maximum amount you're allowed to hold on one of okay. these. Okay. Well, he was so, definitely less than that. Well, he's less than that, but the amount of, you know, force he's providing, you know, by doing a bicep curl with that thing, preventing this helicopter from taking off, basically. Oh, um, so he's, he's preventing this helicopter from taking off by bicep curling it. So he can curl at least 23,500 pounds. And how much can an average person curl in life? Oh, gosh. Like, like the really buff like bodybuilder and wrestling and football player types at the gym, like they'll curl like 120. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you, the world record might be somewhere near 200. Oh, let's see. Well, okay, well, it turns out there's a lot of records. But they're all around 300 pounds. 300 pounds. Still, 23,500 divided by 300. Get your calculators out, ladies and gentlemen. Divide. That's about 78.33. Yeah, that's like 78 in the third. So 78. Okay. So let's just round up to a round down to an easy 75 for now. Easy 75, yeah. Captain America can lift... 75 times more than the strongest human being on Earth. Yep. That is not fucking peak human strength. That is God-level super strength. Yep. 
It also makes me wonder how much force the uh, Bucky's robotic arm puts out, given how <laughs> much trouble he's had with that thing in the past. It's another great question. We might also, because we could take a look at all of the fucking shit he's lifted with that, too. Uh, yeah. Perhaps not now, but that is helicopter physics, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. We have a rough guesstimate of Captain America's max out strength. Well, we have a lower bound. His yes. actual strength probably a bit higher than that. Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> no way. Um, <laughs> so, what's next? Uh, we can talk about sleeper agents and how Ooh. they're different in real life from how they work in the in the movie. You're telling me that you can't freaking hypnotize someone with a selection of keywords and then use those keywords years to maybe decades later in order to reactivate the hypnotism you left in them? No, like sleeper agents do exist in actual espionage, but basically they just like go to their target location and then like find a job, whatever, like a normal civilian life until they're needed. Isn't that basically. more of an undercover agent, but like long-term? It's, it's like a long-term undercover type thing, yeah. Because a sleeper is someone who doesn't even know that they're an agent, and they have to be awoken. Yeah, but not in in real life. Like, you know if you're a sleeper agent. <laughs> okay, like, you, you can't... know if you're, if the government sent you somewhere to do espionage, and they're like, actually, like, keep it on the DL, like, get a normal job, live your civilian life, make friends, whatever. We'll call you when we need you. So there are no documented events of sleeper agents as we have sort of come familiar with them in media culture. That's pure, like, the whole, like, the Jason Bourne type where you don't even know and then you're activated and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, no, that's pure, pure fiction. Okay. Yeah. Glad we settled that. Finally, surviving a free fall. Yeah, someone survives a free fall in this. Yeah, he's he's in a in a megaton freaking armor suit of armor, sure, Rhodey, but he but he falls from what what did what did you say that was about three thousand feet in the air, two thousand? Sure. Yeah. Um, on the low end, I mean, it's about airplane takeoff speed or airplane takeoff altitude, yeah. so anywhere between two and five thousand feet. Okay. Um. Well, there's one documented incident of um, a uh, Serbian flight attendant. Her, her name is uh, Vensa Vulovic. <laughs> I'm butchering nice. the pronunciation of that. Um, but she does have the uh, Guinness World Record um, for surviving the highest fall without a parachute, 33,000 feet. 33,000 feet. Th wait, did you say 33,000? 33,000 feet. And what? how long was she in a coma? Yeah, hold on. What? How? She was in a coma for 27 days. Oh, wow. It, but how did, did she hit water, I'm guessing? Oh, no, water's like concrete. Con like, water will mess you up if you hit it. Plus then then what, what did she hit? A sand dune? A snowbank? Uh, well, she... She fell, okay, she, it, it wasn't like, it was a fall without a parachute, but it wasn't like a free fall. Did she fall on a bouncy castle? She, she was like inside the fuselage of the plane as that was falling. Oh, so the plane fell and made, took the, I was, I'm, I'm thinking she took full impact, okay? Oh, and I'm no. like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> How is that person like even a, a, a substantial shape of a human being? Yeah. Uh, so she was in, she was, okay, she was, so it's, oh, that is a pretty equivalent setup to Rhodey. Yeah. And he was so. much lower than that. Yeah, and, and she was in a Serbian flight attendant, um, was in a coma for 27 days, had a fractured skull, three broken vertebrae, vertebrae so temporarily paralyzed from the waist down, broke both legs. But, Holy you know. Holy shit. She, she lived. Survived. Yeah. Made a, made a full recovery. A full recovery? Yeah. I just... Things stunned me, all right? She continued That's to like, work as a... She continued to fly as a jazz job, but she continued to, like, be able to fly. That's, like, less deadly than getting full-blown rabies. Yeah, no, you're, you're more likely to survive um, 
falling in an airplane for 33,000 feet than showing symptoms of rabies. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm stunned by that science. Thank you, yeah. Ben. Well, Holy thank shit. you. Whew. Yeah. That was a good one. Twitter, 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 Twitter. What's up? Did you manage to compile some fun facts in the small amount of time? <laughs> I did. That's why I was so quiet in the beginning because I was <laughs> searching like a madman. <laughs> um, yeah, I got a few of them here. Lay it on it, homie. Um, okay. Um, apparently when the production of the film wrapped up, uh, Sebastian Stan, who plays uh, the Winter Soldier, and Anthony Mackie, they raced each other while they were in their superhero suit to see who was faster. And I just thought that was hilarious. Tom Holland is the youngest guy to play Spider-Man at 19 years old. Well, like he's about 13. Well, the average actual age of Spider-Man, right? Was Tobey Maguire in high school? Tobey Maguire was 28 when he was Spider-Man, and so was Andrew Garfield. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, Andrew Garfield played a... They both played high school-level Spider-Man? Yeah. They did in their first movie, yeah. Well, shit. Oh, they graduated. They all, they both played seniors. Still, they played 18-year-olds. Yeah. They played 10 years above, under their age. And Tom Holland is playing, what, two? He's yeah, playing, like, know. a sophomore, and he's 19. So there's just, like, a three-year difference there. That's still pretty good. Still the best Spider-Man that's been there. Thank you. Uh, best... Spider-Man. Tom Holland was in a movie with John Bernthal called Pilgrimage. And apparently while they were filming this, they uh, sent audition tapes to Marvel. Um, and uh, Bernthal, who plays the Punisher in Daredevil Season 2, they were playing off each other. So somewhere out there, there's a videotape of Spider-Man and the Punisher acting uh, together on film. So I thought that was pretty neat. Oh, um, fuck. YouTube's going to have a nerdgasm when that fucking breaks. So yeah, they sent that and that's what helped Tom Holland get the role as Spider-Man. And the fact that he came in and pretty much made uh, Robert Downey speechless. Like, he went toe-to-toe with Robert Downey when they were acting and um, Robert Downey's got so much pull at Marvel. I guess if he says it's okay, then it's then it's okay. Uh, one of the words for um, um, Bucky's uh, to trigger his brainwashing was Homecoming, and the next Spider-Man movie is called Spider-Man Homecoming, which may be a coincidence, may, I don't know, may not. I just thought that was odd. Well, what if all, well, what were some of the other words? Freight car. Freight car? All right, so uh, Thor 4, freight car. Continue. Uh, Co-director Joe Russo cited Seven and Fargo as influences on this film. John Slattery, the guy who plays Howard Stark, is only two years older than Robert Downey Jr., who plays his son, which I thought was very weird. Like, it just goes to show you how Robert Downey Jr. doesn't age. One or day. that John Slattery, like, looks way older than he actually is. That's true. Robert, I mean, he's up, Robert, like I know the dude. Oh, Bob was, uh, um, he's in his, like, mid-50s, isn't he? I think. Yeah, well, Hollywood will do that to you. Yeah. And a lot of drugs. <laughs> oh, Bucky loses his left arm, so they're keeping up the tradition where everybody loses their left. Spoiler alert. Everyone loses their left arm in the Marvel movies, starting with a Phase 2. And I think yeah. we talked about that before. No, well, that, and they strictly, like, explicitly reference Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. This I don't know if it's a really fun fact, but my this is, has my favorite Stanley cameo ever when he calls him Tony Stank. Oh, and uh, when uh, if you guys see Knocked Up, Paul Rudd gets into it with his wife because she finds out he snuck she he snuck out on her to go watch Spider Man three, and Spider Man's obviously in this movie. So I thought that was <laughs> funny. Crap, yeah, that's all I got. Those I, ones that I thought were the most interesting. Go ahead, I have man. a fun fact. I may. Um, so the the Russo brothers were high, heavily involved in Arrested Development, which was a sitcom on Fox from like 2003 to 2006. Um, and in Arrested Development, um, the, one of the characters drives around like an airplane, like stair car thingy, and you can see that same stair car in the, at the airport during the big fight scene. <laughs> so 
The Russo brothers oh. are also involved in the TV show Community uh, with Dan Hartman. And the character in Community who plays the dean of Greendale Community College, Jim Rash, also plays the dean of Harvard University in this movie. So this movie essentially got a community reference. So, MIT. so oh, MIT, Arrested thank Development you. And, and community exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Confirmed. <gasps> Confirmed. You heard it here first at Super M Studies. Confirmed. <laughs> Six seasons and like 13 movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a community joke. If you have a community, watch it. Oh, shit. Watch the first three seasons and then none of the rest. Oh, no, that final season is gold. Don't watch even... the first three and then a couple episodes from the fifth and then the last. The last The last season is tremendous. And what else we got? That all for fun uh, facts? That's, uh, yeah. Um, uh, another one is that um, this movie is called Civil War, but it has no direct relation to the Civil War that happened in America in the 1800s, in case you guys didn't know that. <laughs> All right. That's yeah. There's a hundred different Civil Wars. I hope you know that. It's all about the label. <laughs> Spanish, American, Spanish Civil War, American Civil War. Well, the one that starred Abe Lincoln when he was not a vampire hunter. Oh, of course, as we all know. Right. That's all, that's all I got. We're skipping right past drinking game rules. I mean, we've gone overtime, and we... Uh, I mean, you can find some fun ways to drink for this movie, I'm sure. So let's get right on to the outro. Superhero movie stuff. Oh, good luck. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. I still do it. I still do Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by Triop Cop Productions. Head on over to our iTunes. Our iTunes? Our iTunes. Um, <clears throat> head on over to our iTunes. <laughs> head on over to our iTunes page. Where you can subscribe uh, and catch, and so you never miss a, another episode. Uh, while you're there, drop a rating, drop a review. It helps other people uh, find our podcast and and share in this delightful little exploration of of nerdy whatever is that we do every week. I t o n e s dot com. iTunes dot com. iTunes, you know, Apple dot iTunes dot com. T- table one for iTunes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Right next to the actually big mu- music distributor. There's a direct link on my MySpace page to the iTunes website. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, there's one on my um, Google Plus and AOL homepage. Yes. Uh, message me on ICQ, and I can get you the link. <laughs> my my AOL instant messenger screen name is iTunes Lover, or whatever, numbers... Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, check by, yeah. Check our Twitter page. <laughs> We've always got something going on there. Tom does a great job of keeping things active at Super M Studies on Twitter. <laughs> check out our um, recent fun back and forth about the Mad Max um, substitutions of Doof with Marilyn Monroe. Our hashtag Doof Warrior was a complete success. Um, this week we're gonna go with uh, we're gonna be shit posting Captain America Civil War memes. <laughs> uh, please, I'll take any Civil War memes you have. Um, hashtag CW meme because <laughs> we want to mix it up with the CW uh, TV network. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that uh, won't get confusing. Yeah, memes that's the with- whole point. With Mission Report, December 16, 1991, are especially appreciated. Actually, everybody share what like happened to you December 16, 1991. Were you born? It was I think it was about a month old. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be our... Oh, has, that's, our, that's our Twitter challenge of the week. Hashtag Mission Report. What were you doing on December 16, 1991? There we Make go. It. Try and make it interesting, please. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, tryopcop.com, our beautiful website. Still currently in rough-edged development because I have a month of hard-edged employment still remaining uh, (laughs) before I can actually get back to devoting some time to editing and updating this website. But for now, I have it on autopilot for future episodes all the way until freaking October, I think. 
Uh, show notes are there. I'll update those soon with more recent ones, but we've got them all the way up to, I believe, Daredevil Season 2. Um, drinking game rules are there, and, uh, and, 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 and if you want to get involved with Super Movie Studies, uh, you can go about it the Twitter Tom way, sending us a, ha, a very hearty review on iTunes, and then us being like, who the fuck is this person? Let's get them involved, because they're the first person to send us an iTunes review. Or you can just email, it, uh, email us at supermoviestudies at triopcop.com. I check that regularly. If you want to try and get involved on an episode, you got a cool idea for an episode topic, we can squeeze you in. The schedule is not unimmalable. Is the correct word? Immutable. Immutable? Yes. Well, unmovable. How about um, we say it's flexible? No, yes. it's, it is not immutable. <laughs> All right, fuck it, A. Mute from the Latin to change. And that'll do it tonight, then. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. I'm Skylar Hutzma. Ben Anderson. And Twitter Tom. And we hope you all have a super week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.